Ladies and gentlemen, this is entitled Weekend. And welcome to Entitled Weekend. We got a got a special guest here, Jim from Peabody, from the af- from the uh, affably known Bag Pod that exists somewhere in the, in the sphere of of the mo- many multiverses of Boston media. What's up, Jim? How's it going? <laughs> Doing pretty good. Not to interrupt you, but it uh, is five hundred in the country right now. Oh well, that. Well, I'm sorry. Wow, no, 500. That that that's huge. I mean, you're right under um, you're right under uh, the 50,000 Odyssey podcast. So yeah, most respect. Yeah, we're right there. <laughs> well, this has been a, a crazy week. Uh, we the uh, other guys uh, at Entitled Town talked about and the Bears specifically everything that happened and all, all the decision-making and all that stuff. I don't want to de- deal with that. I want to talk about the reaction afterwards and just the idiocy that came about with, with the players being talked, talked, interviewed, and just and what that skinny pound of flesh Bedard had to say, which we'll get to in a moment. But uh, I, I want to talk about this, this whole notion of players should have known what was happening. And and Matt Chatham, who if you're not following him, you, you should. A friend of friend of the Entitled Podcast Network, Matt Chatham. If you weren't following him, then you you should be. But he made a point in one of his tweets that you know the fact that NFL players feel that they should be told, or especially if they're in one position group, to feel that they should be told what the rotation or how much playing time the players were going to be for another position. It, it's weird. How, how did this become a thing? And and Rob, I want to go to you first because um, people are saying that this didn't happen in the old days. Um, I, I did a little bit of research and Tom Landry tried to do this in the 60s with his quarterbacks and the 70s. And I know people are saying, oh, well, that tore the team apart, but until he committed to Starback. But I mean, we, I, I think by all intents and purposes, it was committed to Mac. So I, the, the contrast is crazy here. Well, it actually, um, it, you could you don't have to go back that far. Bill Walsh did it with the 49ers back in the 80s with uh, Montana and Steve Young. He was rotating back and forth between the two of them in, uh, I think it was 1988. It was the year uh, they actually wound up winning the Super Bowl that year. But uh, Walsh was waffling back and forth, and he was mid-game, similar to what Belichick did uh, with Zappi and Mac. I'm not a huge fan of that. I think, you know, pick a guy, stick with him kind of thing, but you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like they do that. I know more about, you know, coaching football than Bill Belichick does, but Bill Walsh would, you know, okay, Montana's going to get the first quarter. Young's going to get the second quarter. And the team was kind of struggling and he had a coaches meeting and um, Mike Holmgren was on the coaching staff and he went around the room and said, what do we need to do to fix this? And Mike Holmgren was the only one with the balls enough to say, you need to pick a quarterback and you need to stick with him. And I guess the story goes, according to Holmgren, Walsh stormed out of the room and everybody thought Holmgren was going to get fired. And then Walsh comes back in the room and says, you know what? You're right. From now on, we're going with Montana. He's going to be our quarterback. And they wound up winning the Super Bowl that year. So, uh, I mean, 
I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I wasn't throwing things around the room on Monday night. That was one of the more discouraging Patriot games I can recall. Um, to, that was more discouraging to me than the Bills playoff loss. Just, I think it was because of my expectations going in. I thought, you know, I thought they were going to win the game. I thought it was at least a 10 point win. And, you know, even if they don't play well, or even if Zappy plays, I thought they were going to, and to not just get, not just to lose the game, but to get absolutely just pounded was, you know, it was discouraging, but then again, I mean, they're three and four that they're only seven games into the season. You know, they still have their whole season still ahead of them. It's not like they, you know, that game knocked them out of, yeah, didn't knock them out of the postseason by any stretch of the imagination. They're two and a half point favorites tomorrow against the, you know, the apparent juggernauts that are in New York. The Jets are, I guess, supposed to be (laughs) the greatest team in the world. But um, so, you know, there is precedent to it. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, And I was really glad to hear that, you know, okay, we're going to let, you know, we're going to max healthy. We're going to ride with Mac, that sort of thing. But yeah, the notion that other position groups deserve to know, like, you know, what the quarterback situation is, why don't they, yeah, I think they all know it. They're professionals. Just focus on your job, do your job. I, I think we've heard that somewhere, you know? So I Not think it's familiar. lunacy. Yeah, I think it's absolute <laughs> lunacy. And uh, I'm looking forward to a bounce back game tomorrow. But and Joe, I thought, it, I thought it was so weird. You know, they, 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 they the media interviewed these guys like, oh, Jacoby Myers, who are upset. Of course, they're going to be upset. And when you put in an effort like that, of course, you have right to be upset. But it, just the ambush, it, it's, the, it's the TMZification of, of the media where you you got to get it. You got to get a result. It, it's, it's kind of the same thing where, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are watching like baseball this year but it's like whenever whenever somebody hits a home run like immediately they run down the dugout and put it in mic to their face and like what do you think about this it, it's it's ridiculous the way that that the, the they pounce on them I, I agree with you um and going off that I mean obviously a disappointing Monday night but I think a lot of what you just described in terms of they need an answer and they need a uh, very specific and direct answer that they can run with immediately is indicative of what the media kind of does on a daily basis. I mean, if you're if you're if you're just observing the media from 100 feet above or a mile above the sky, and you look down, for every moment, every action, everything that happens, you're supposed to have this really really polarizing opinion, and there's there's no such thing as being rational or in the middle everything with this hot take media is is one week the Patriots are the worst team in football and then the next week is the Patriots are trending towards the Super Bowl or or the Patriots have the worst wide receiver room in, the, in football or the Patriots have a, an absurd amount of weapons and they have to trade two of them for for whatever it's the, the culture that has been I would guess I'd say implemented in, in sports media is that of of one of having a, a really really polarizing opinion and that being just the basis of every conversation. There's no, there's no saying like, well, I don't know. Are the Patriots, are the Patriots good this year? Like, in my heart of hearts, absolutely, I'd love to say yes, absolutely. But I, I guess that would be too polarizing for people. I can say, you know, I don't, I'm not sure yet. They've got glimpses of being good, but they've got glimpses of of, of not being very good. So I, I think that is to your point of getting in a guy's face immediately after something happens and looking for this hot take answer is just a really good example of 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 negative negativity we see in in sports media um 
in regards to Monday night specifically, I think I think what we got lost in over the last three weeks of this quarterback quote unquote controversy, I'm doing air quotes for the listeners out there, is people are forgetting Mac Jones is hurt. I think that is something people are really just forgetting. He's coming back from a high ankle sprain. Like I know when they first cut out the news, first um, news report of his ankle injury was six to eight weeks and high ankle sprain and like surgeries on the table. And we're only four weeks for now. We're only four and a half weeks removed from that. So I think people are really kind of forgetting that and really trying to make themselves believe Zappi's having a quarterback controversy. I think people are really forgetting the fact that Mac Jones is coming back from a, a really bad ankle sprain because of the way the media propped up Zappi. And if you're watching the last three weeks, it's very obvious that the, that the Zappi offense is a lot different than the, than the original Mac Jones offense. And I'm not saying that in a Bedard way. I'm saying that in a way that Bailey Zappi can't do things that Mac Jones does. And we saw that in games against the Lions where, where we're settling for three points in the red zone, where we're running draws on third and nine. It's just he can't do things that Mac Jones does. And I think people are trying to misconstrue what that is and, and make it a conspiracy theory amongst the media. And people are jumping on it because people are fucking horny for Patriots conspiracy negative, whatever it may be. But the answer is literally in the pudding. Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Bailey Zappi. He can do more than Bailey Zappi, and he's going to get healthy and prove that. People are just really excited for prisoner of the moment takes Bailey's happy quarterback controversy bill bill mismanaged the first round pick again last year his quarterback stinks he can't develop him i'm right no he's coming back from a high ankle sprain it's been four weeks you know what if the plan was the plan was weird monday i'm not gonna lie the plan was weird i don't know what that plan was but i think he nipped it in the butt on monday and was like look max gonna start monday he's gonna be as healthy as can be and we're gonna roll with my guy and i'm sick and tired of this bailey's happy nonsense and i'll just leave it at that that's a great point, Joe. And Bill, it, it, on that, on building on that Mac versus Zappy crap, it's it's pretty unbelievable how, again, I, and I said this on Entitled Town, how not only have they forgotten that he was injured, it seems like they've forgotten Mac's entire rookie year, just because I don't know if they were hypnotized with Zappy or if they were just. If they were just enamored because his name is funny to say, Zappy, oh my God. But Matt had one of the best rookie seasons a quarterback has had in a while. And that's just gone by the wayside because of the, you know, three, yes, relatively not very good games that he's had. And yeah, and Joe, it was, it was, Joe, we were at the Lions game and this kid saying Mac would have had five interceptions by now, you know, and, and it, it was it was pretty unbelievable. So, Bill, uh, about about this Mac versus Zappy controversy, which is not a controversy, but it's turned into one because idiot fans have have ate it up and taken it as word. Yeah, I mean, I, I hit on it a lot during my final thought last week in this whole culture of verses, and it really hits on much of what Joe was talking about with the hot take media culture. But I think what it really comes down to is the purpose behind why you would take the approach you did. The approach you did, you put in flatly, and this is as critical as I'll ever be of Belichick. Flatly, it was not a winning game plan last week. He threw a clunker. We forget he's capable of it um, because he is so 
consistent regularly in putting together a game plan that can be successful. The Patriots are blown out so irregularly that seeing a clunker from Belichick is surprising. You almost chalk it up to like House of Horrors or, you know, a, a certain uh, a certain coach having an advantage in a particular situation. I remember a couple of games against the Saints um, where they just got mauled and it was sort of like, oh, that seems like a bad matchup for either the personnel or this or that. And you start to make Belichick through a clunker on this one. But what I'll say is I think what Belichick's trying to do there is adjust and amend to bring uh, bring Mac rather back at a full strength and with some reps in gameplay. He might not have been healthy enough to play 60 minutes on Monday night, but they wanted him to play to work off that rust ahead of playing a full 60 minute game against the division rival in a pretty critical game. Because as we all know, as football fans, the outside conference game versus the in your division game is as wide a chasm as there can be between the importance of a win or a loss. So having him come out against the bears, do some of that. And it was going to be, Hey Mac, we're going to pull you once you're not feeling right. Or we start noticing you limping or we see enough where we feel confident that the game is at hand or you've had the reps you need to be back and adjusted. And so why would you tell the rest of the team that at some mystery point based on Mac Jones's health, Bailey Zappi is going to be stepping in and taking quarterback reps. That doesn't make sense to anything Belichick's told us throughout Mac's injury or really throughout Bill's career. And so I, I really feel that this game was in service of getting Mac some reps. Uh, and certainly they thought that it would be enough to win that game, as did any of us. I mean, they got absolutely fucking waxed. And it was one of the more stunning losses in the last 10 years. Um, you know, I, I agree with Rob saying I feel a lot differently about this one than I did about the Bills playoff loss last year because of the expectations associated. The Patriots had been blown out by the Bills like four weeks prior to the playoffs at Gillette. So it's seeing that happen, you know, in Buffalo in a playoff environment, we didn't like seeing it, but they had exceeded expectations from that season. I think what we need to focus on now and look at and the sort of slaves to the hot take stuff is making sure that players aren't buying into it and that it, that we as fans aren't buying into it because we're starting to have we as fans are starting to have an impact on what's happening and that's a problem. There's the component of, you know, the zappy chance while Mac is in. That what the fuck is that? That's literally impacting the confidence of who should be your starting quarterback. Devin McCourty having to come out and say that, oh, you know, the fans no, have been you, spoiled. <laughs> you, I was going to give that question to Jim because <laughs> man, Bill, you like, again, we're twins. I think. Yeah. Cause then I'll, I'll bet I'm going to bail right there then. So you can hand that question off. I'm good with that. But just long story short, I think there's a thousand reasons for why they could have done what they did Monday. It doesn't excuse that it was a clunker. No one's saying that we enjoyed watching it or it means good things. The Patriots are an inconsistent team. We need to see more to see if they'll build that consistency. Belichick teams pretty typically are their best Thanksgiving and after. I'd love to see them get on that roll a little bit earlier, and I think they'd need to to have a shot at the playoffs this year based on what those next three games are and what their schedule is after Thanksgiving. 
Right. It gets a little bit more hairy after that. So, Correct. you know, these next two, these next two games are, uh, again, not saying must wins, but if you want to do something and to, to get yourself at least into the picture, then these next two games are probably your best bet. Uh, so back, back to Jim and yeah, Devin McCourty saying Mac Jones was booed because, and he didn't really mince words. He said Patriots fans were spoiled. And this this show is called Entitled Weekend in Entitled Town for a reason, because Patriots fans are spoiled. And what did you think about what he what why he said that? Because it's because clearly, if if he's noticing it, then obviously we have to notice it too. Well, everybody notices it, and it's sad actually that it goes on. But I just want to touch on one thing about Mac Jones first that I feel like everybody's missing it. The guy's in his second year. Second year quarterback, had a fantastic rookie season, not a lot of tape on the guy. The other team wants to win too. The other team is paid to analyze your team and win the game. They're professionals as well. So now there's a little tape on Mac Jones. Now they know how to make him uncomfortable. They know the things that he likes to do and don't like to do and they take it away which might not have been so obvious last year, but they're obvious this year. And I don't think the line play in front of them is too good, to be honest with you. I think when he plays, I, I noticed that this game, last game, Zappy was in there and the line seemed to be played totally different than when Mac's in there. Whether that's Mac looking down the field more than Zappy does, I, I don't really know what the story is there, but the line just seems to not play as well in front of him for whatever reason that is. But for his teammates have to come out and basically defend him by saying, you know, the the fans around here are spoiled. They're used to winning and they are. And, you know, it always hasn't been like that, but they are, they're they're like spoiled little babies that they just want their way and and they want to win. I want to win too. I, I love the team. I really, I don't care if it's Mac Jones, Drew Bledsoe, whoever the quarterback may be. Oh, 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 well, well, those are curse words to uh, Ironhead. Don't say that. <laughs> That's fine. I love him to death, but it's what it is. But you, you know what I mean. If the team wins, whoever helps them win is, I'm a fan of the team. So for me, the Mac Jones zappy controversy is a moot point. I, I was at the dentist's office yesterday. Guy had a Patriots room. I had my Patriots sweatshirt on. He's getting ready to drill my teeth, ask me if I'm a Zappy guy or if I'm a Jones guy. I said, well, I like Mac Jones since, you know, college. I'm a Mac Jones guy, but I'm a Patriots guy before that. So whoever helps them win, I'm on board. I try not to question the process too much because I'm really not qualified. I'm just a fan. You know, if I question it, I'd be falling into the balling and the Dodd categories of the world. and. I don't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where everybody should fall. If you are a Patriots fan, then I understand if you're not a Patriots fan, you 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 you'd love again. These are just like the Brady people who, you know, they're Brady fans, and they weren't really. I don't think they were really Patriots fans because you know they're they're going out of their way defending the guy. You know when you know. Good luck on that divorce, by the way, uh, Tom. Uh, so, uh, but yeah. If, if that's the take everybody should have, but I want to go to um, 
again, Skinny McSkinner face, um, Greg Bedard. And I want to play this. I haven't even heard the whole clip. It's two minutes and 17 seconds. I haven't heard this entire clip. So I'm going to play it now. Um, this is him going on and on. And again, NBC, NBC takes Boston, just loves to promote their takes. This is him on Felger and Maz talking about the different play call, the differences in play calling between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi versus the Bears. Either needs to back Mac and say, go to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and say, look, I don't care what we did before. I don't care about the summer. I don't care about any of that crap. Okay, first, uh, before before we f- finish this clip, this guy's so angry. Like, Jesus Christ, what, what do you, did, did, did he kill your dog or something? My God, he's so angry. God, at, anyway. At uh, what? At what? <laughs> What's he angry about? I, I, I don't know. Uh, that the guy he hired to, you know, the racist guy he hired to um, <laughs> for his blog. Anyway, oh, hey, we're waiting Loico. for the World Series. What he wants? To- yeah, <laughs> for the World Series, Mike Loico. Run and run it, so we can get him back to the guy he was, or he can believe in his guys, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, the guys that he entrusted with his offense that he says are really good coaches that he believes that can do that and trust them if they want bailey zappy go with zappy trade mac jones yeah he has to make a choice he can't keep half-assing this you know stop letting them call certain play action passes for mac jones and certain play action passes for bailey zappy stop on that did you see that on uh, monday night it's it's there the really good play action is off of run action that means that you're doing something to make the defense think Oh, crap. Here they come. A pulling guard. A pulling guard. Patriots for years. They would pull a guard, pull a guard, and then all of a sudden pull it back. Boom, over the top. The first play action pass that they ran for Mac Jones, there's no run action. Just a straight sort of handoff. The middle linebacker doesn't even wait for Mac to finish. He knows. Doesn't fool them at all. Contrast that to Bailey Zappi's fourth play. Not only do they run one run action because they bring Jacoby Myers in short action, which tells the linebacker, oh, alert, crack, toss. They run this all the time. They're going to they're gonna toss it outside, crack down on the end, Jacoby Myers. And then all of a sudden at the snap, Hunter Henry pulls around. So now you have dual run action. Mac Jones goes from zero. Bailey Zappi gets two. This is a scheme game plan play. One of those, I talked to an NFL offensive coordinator today. I said, how does this work? Do you have certain plays, like in certain groupings, where you say, this is the one we're going to run? This is the one. And it, they said, absolutely. It's starred. It's highlighted on the sheet. They gave Zappy the fancier play. They gave Zappy the better play action play. By far. Double run action. What do you know? The Bears fall for a great call. No one's even close to Jacoby Myers, and he goes down there. Why the two different calls? Why the two orders, Colonel Jessup? Why are they different for these two guys? Okay, first of all, I feel like paying like nine ninety five a month because you know it's just it's just like Skinamax, the music they're playing. You know, we, me and Iron have that have that joke. Like it's it's like they're playing a porn music from like nineteen seventy eight. But oh, go ahead, Bill. You had something you wanted to say. There's a very simple explanation, and really, it's multiple reasonings behind why they would do what they do. One is that if you run your play action with a pulling guard every time, they're going to start to stop being fooled by the fact a pulling guard is there, 
and you're going to be you're going to have a less effective play action with a pulling guard. You need to set up the straight play action. That's part of the process. The second and more important thing is Mac Jones was limited in his ability to practice over the past several weeks. This was a concept that multiple people have shown that the Patriots have not used in a long time. They have not used this type of play action with this type of route where the guy slips out the backside like Jacoby Myers did. If you're installing something new, that's not what you're installing with the person who's limited in practice and trying to come back from injury. So Mac very well may not have been able to practice that play due to his health. It does not mean that Matt Patricia magically decided that Bailey Zappi gets the fancier play or the magical play or this. It's if you're installing new stuff, it's harder to do that with people who aren't practicing. I, I, I don't understand how this guy stays in the media. He has to have photos of Felger or maybe it's photos of Gene Levanchi and his and Underwood there. I don't know who it is, but he's got photos of somebody that is keeping him in the Felger kind of, uh, you know, circle of media trust there. And he keeps getting involved in these nonsense segments and spewing whatever bullshit of the day he can come up with. You know, the offensive coordinator he spoke to, the, you know, the, the guy he said, oh, I spoke to offensive coordinator. And I love the tweet that, that this guy, um, Nolan, the guy who caught Ben Volan uh, with his pants now, he said, the offensive coordinator he spoke to with his own reflection while he stood in front of the mirror repeating the phrases run action and pulling guard until he achieved orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is he, he is pathetic. He's the worst. He had, at this point, zero credibility. I don't know how anybody can listen to him. I mean, Volan triggers me more than anybody in the media, but Greg's a close second. Num- the, Greg's number one for me. The, the, Greg's the, number one for me, too. Uh, Greg and Big Jim are, are one A and one B for me, but I think I think the problem with Greg Stick is that he he tries to sell his his BS whatever fucking shit website he has is objective and not hot takey. That's the best part. That's the yeah. most rich rich point of it. That, that that's guy in the sucks. mission statement. It's in the mission statement where where we won't troll you. That, well, the, th- <laughs> the the thing with this is that he he completely dismisses the fact that the defense is play Mac Jones differently than they play Bailey Zappi too, because Bailey Zappi is significantly more limited than Mac Jones is a lesson that we all learned in the second half. Anybody who had Zappi fever, that fever broke in the third and fourth (laughs) quarter of that game, because you saw how limited he was. You saw that when they have to put the game in his hands and he has to drop back pass and throw the ball, you know, to win a game, he's not the, I mean, and he shouldn't be there yet. You know, he shouldn't be there yet. He hasn't been in the league long enough. But there's that old cliche that exists for a reason. Take what the defense gives you. And when you watch that Cleveland game, for example, they had seven, eight, nine guys right up on the line of scrimmage because they thought thought to themselves, we're going to dare this guy to beat us throwing the ball. (laughs) And so he would have guys running wide open down the field, and he was still almost missing them. You know, you give Mac Jones that kind of look, and it's going to be a really long day. Defenses don't play Mac Jones the same way they play Bailey Zappi. It's it's honestly it's really that simple. And you know, as much fun as, as it is to watch Bailey Zappi chuck the ball down the field, and as much fun as it was, you know, to have him win 
in a couple of games. He's essentially, you know, at this point anyway, a backup quarterback. You know, if if exactly what happened, Mac Jones tweaks his ankle and he's out for two or three weeks, Zappi can come in, he can keep his hands on the 10 and the 2, and he can keep your car from driving into the ditch. But unless the running game's going and the defense is playing really, really well, he's probably not going to win you a whole lot of games. Whereas Mac Jones can come in and he can go toe to toe with some of these quarterbacks. He's not going to hang 50. No, but you have a much better chance at winning a game when not everything's going your way with Mac Jones, at quarterback than you do with Bailey Zappi quarterback. And I think everybody learned that on Monday. It's not uh, what possible reason would they have for giving the good plays to Zappi? That's the most idiotic thing. I mean, uh, that's, that's worse than Volan. That's worse than Volan to me like that take. It's just stupid. And just like the Volan take, it was, well, it wasn't as, it wasn't as vastly um, challenged as the Volan take was, but there were some, there were some people who, who were like, no, this is bullshit. The notion that, that the Patriots didn't support Mac Jones led play action with run action. It's, it's so stupid. And, and then the fact that they're trying to say, oh, well, some sort of sabotage by a play calling it's, 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 backwards and again if you're listening to this then you deserve what you get it and just quickly the the whole reactions and the whole handling of the mac jones injury was really really fucking weird every like it went from zero to 60 on hating the guy for just having a high ankle sprain way way too quickly absolutely how did we go from him having a high ankle sprain to Ben Volan saying that he's an egomaniac within three weeks? That's crazy. Just like, think about You're that. Right. Just You're think right. about it. It's absolutely insane. Joe, absolutely just, to, right. just, to, just to spearhead right off of that, even within the game, it, even within right. Monday meme, night. It's a meme happened. now. It, it became a meme immediately with him, you know, grimacing because he, you know, getting picked up by the two guys. That became a meme. Oh, no. Apparently he's not tough because, you know, he, because of, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the, uh, the the former quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. I forget his name. Oh, Baker Mayfield. Because Baker Mayfield had a similar injury. He didn't react in the same way that Mac Jones did. And that means that Baker Mayfield is tougher than Mac Jones. Well, he at least has more commercials. But listen, it, it's even in the mon- in Monday night's game. What we need to understand is that what they what they are the media is insulting the intelligence of the player of the the fans because the big issue wasn't you know and call play calling what you want to call it i'm not saying that play that they couldn't have called the better game but what i am saying is that they could have executed better on the plays you know when that play action works really well when you're in second and short third and short you know what mac jones had for his first drive run stuff screen plat screen pass blow up are they going to run that guard shift play action on third and 10? No, of course not. What are we talking about here? There's just, the execution was a huge problem across the board. So why are we talking about who's getting what plays? The better plays you can run in better situations. The situations dictate the play call, not who is under center. Unless it's the situation of Bailey Zappi having less plays within his book or less roots within the book that they're running similar plays, but they're running a shorter root tree or what have you. But it, Mac Jones is not being 
put out on bad play island. There's very few plays that somebody says, oh, that's a bad play. It's a poorly executed play. The run blocking early in the game set up the paths for disaster in a lot of situations. That was one of the worst offensive line games they've had since week one. And it's just, that was just a really poor time for a bad performance there. But Mac Jones was hit the plays that Mac Jones got to run were directly impacted by the situation within the game, not by anything else. And it seems as though the situation is never taken into account. It's always Everything is looked at by a 50,000 feet angle instead of looking at what's inside and what's in what happens between each play. And but of course, that doesn't matter. So do, do, do they do they have the play? Do they have a play calling bot like a fourth down bot where it's like, <laughs> oh, 26 percent of the time you should run a play action with a guard shift here. It, <laughs> get the get the fuck out of here with if, this. If, nonsense. It, if anyone thinks that Bill Belichick would sabotage a quarterback in order to make another coaching decision look better and have his team hurt from that there is there is zero help for you there's no help there's no there's no coming back from thinking that bill belichick would sabotage a quarterback so his team does worse that's crazy talk yeah you well, need a straight but, jacket well, and, and 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 jail if you think that the fans wanting a quarterback to fail so that they can see the quarterback whose name on the back of the jersey they like better is going to be under center tells you where the mindset of the fans is right now. Profoundly disappointed in Pat's fans that were at the stadium on Monday night. Yeah, that, that was absolutely disgusting. And yeah, I mean, I love, I, I like going to Pat's games, but if I have to deal with that, that that's why I, it's, it's, ugh, I, I would, I would never go to one. Um, so just, just a quick look at the jets before we move on to uh, a couple stories from around the league. Uh, is there any, what, 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 what do you guys expect? Because to me, I mean, you're going to have uh, no David Andrews, no Kyle Duggar, no Christian Barmore. So, you know, those are three pr- pretty key players there. And uh, that that's going to make things tougher, even though uh, the Jets on the other side are have lost Brees Hall. Uh, and, they've, and they've gotten a few other players, too. Um it's going to be it's going to be rough especially down there you know they're they're not they're not you know the rex ryan jets where they're trying to hype everything up but you know watching down here you know robert Saleh, they're saying oh they're going to have the fireworks going off before the game and they're going to try to get the fans pumped so you know it's going to it's going to be it's going to be a, a i hate the word rock fight but it's going to be uh you know if if you, if you if you're one of those patriots fans that can't handle adversity then i don't think this is going to be the game that you're going to want to watch i think they need to have a rock fight i think that's what this game has to come down to i think that's the way this team has to play right now it's sort of their identity and nobody wants to acknowledge it they want the fantasy football stats if you don't have you know six touchdowns a game and 300 yards rushing your team sucks no, this team is going to go out there. They're going to slow down the game, run in the mud, and, and that's how it has to be for them to be competitive. In my mind, I could exactly. They're, they're not. They're know. not Patrick Patrick Mahomes here or just Josh Allen here. Like you're not going to be throwing the throwing ninety nine yard slants to Jacoby. I mean, no, that would be cool. That would be nice. That's just be not great. how this team is run. 
exactly. It's never going to be how this team is run. Hasn't run like that in 20 years. Why is it going to run like that now? I think one year when Randy Moss was here, they really opened up the offense, a lot of downfield passing. What did they do that year? Did they win? They lost. And the object of the game is to win the Super Bowl. They all start out every season to win the Super Bowl. So if you're not winning the Super Bowl, enjoy the season. Hopefully it's fun and that's it. Exactly. Get caught up in all the other nonsense. Other than other than last week, I've I've had a pretty I've had a pretty fun time watching this team, and I don't think that an effort like last week is going to show up this week. I really I really don't believe that because, you know, everything just it was just a perfect storm of suck <laughs> on Monday night, and you know I would I would expect efforts to be a lot better, even though the, play, the players I mentioned aren't going to be there, and that's going to make a big difference. Uh, Rob, what do you think? Well, I think after last Monday night, I'm not getting too overconfident again. I'm not going to make that mistake. Um, I do think the Jets' 5-2 and two record – I mean, Bill Parcells once famous, famously said, you are what your record says you are. But I do think that 5-2 and two record is a little, uh, little suspect. They did that against the Dolphins' third-string quarterback. They played Brett Rippon last week in Denver. Not that Russell Wilson's been that great. But um, I, I think the Patriots are a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in New York for a reason. I think they're the better team. Um, offensively, the Jets don't concern me really in the least. They're the bottom five in third-down conversion percentage. They're only converting 32% of their third downs all year, which puts them, at, I think, 29th in the league. And Zach Wilson has – to be honest with you, I would be more worried if Joe Flacco were playing tomorrow than I would be with Zach Wilson in the game. Uh, Zach Wilson just I think I think it was Mike Lombardi who said you know the best thing Robert Sala's done all year is not let Zach Wilson beat him <laughs> you know which essentially you know he's totally fine you know run 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 punt run 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 punt run 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 punt you know like rather than even risk Zach Wilson throwing a pick so I mean this is a guy who's you know he's played four games this year and I think he's only cracked 200 yards once he's only thrown one touchdown and two picks the whole time so they, I mean, they're just not letting him do much. So I think offensively, if the the Patriots are going to have time to kind of get their sea legs underneath them, kind of get their shit together. And I think at the end of the day, I think the Patriots are going to win the game by how much, I don't know. I think it'll be beneficial if Jake Bailey can get back to being Jake Bailey, because that was a real problem in Chicago. And if he punts like that in a rock fight type of game, which I think we all think this is going to be, that's not going to do us any favors. So I think you're going to see that sort of old school Belichick field position defense, you know, wait for the Zach Wilson turnover, wait for the fumble or what have you. But I think if the Patriots go in there and they're turning the ball over and Jake Bailey's punting it 25 yards, you know, and the defense is allowing six yards of rush, then they could absolutely get beat. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Patriots are going to win the game. I think they're going to bounce back. And I'm hoping Mac Jones has a really good game just to shut these people the fuck up because I'm so tired of listening to them. So that's what I'm really hoping for is that Mac comes out and just has a nice, solid, you know, performance just to shut people up. Zach Wilson is who the media thinks Mac Jones is if Mac Jones fucked moms. It's that that's (laughs) that's what we're dealing with. It's. Zach Zach Wilson to this point 
has not been a good professional quarterback. He has potential. Like, this is not even a dig at him. He's a year two quarterback. We all saw that Josh Allen didn't look good till year three. Like, this is not, you know, me writing some book on him. But in this year, he has not looked good. He has been a liability to that Jets team. And Joe Flacco was the superior quarterback under center. But I also think the Jets are right to have their guy progress and grow and learn. And that's what you're doing. That's what they're planning to do this year. That's fine. In terms of our game on Sunday that we're going to all be checking out, the big key is, of course, in the trenches. We're talking about rock fight. You're talking about, you know, losing Barmore is big. Losing Duggar is big in the run-stop game. Um you need a you need a big performance from Lawrence Guy, but additionally, you need people to finish their fucking tackles. That was such like if you they had Fields dead to right several times and let him sneak out. You've got to finish, and it can't just be Judon. It can't just be Judon finishing the quarterback in the backfield. It can't just be Guy moving up and making a play. You need people like Wise and Bentley to be playing their best. You need either Phillips or Peppers, depending on how they're rotating people in and injuries and all that. You need them to be laying a little bit of lumber from the secondary in the run-stop game. And you need the corners to play up to the potential that they can. And when somebody does get a catch, make the tackle. You know, Hit them hard, hit them often, knock them off their game. I don't necessarily think that when I say rock fight that I'm seeing it as like the, you know, the, the trench position battle throughout the game. I think the big key is just avoiding, you know, in in terms of rock fight is avoid going three and out. That's the only thing you have to avoid from the Patriots offensive side is just avoid the three and out. And you sort of negate the concerns we have with Bailey right now. And with the way that the defense should be able to stop the Jets offense, you would imagine that that's already giving you with one first down a leg up in the field position battle, because you should be getting the first downs more frequently than the Jets are throughout the game. I think Mac Jones could pick apart the Jets defense throughout the game with some short, if they go back to like the root of what this offense is supposed to be about um, and sort of stay, you know, steer away from the key playmakers like sauce Gardner's legit. He's had, he's had a legit year. Stay away from him a little bit. Work some plays that get separation if somebody's being shadowed by him. Like, just play your game. Do the normal Belichick scheming. Call the plays that make sense. Move down the field effectively. It's a little, you know, the defense is dealing with more the rock fight. I think the offense just needs to be well balanced and avoid the three and outs and the turnovers. No, I I, I totally agree. Um <clears throat> I think we've all kind of harped on this, and I'll, I'll keep this short because I, I, this is what I really think the key to the game is. Um, Zach Wilson really hasn't proved it yet, besides being a cool meme for 17-year-olds out there. Um, I, he really hasn't. Like, and if we watch the games last year, I think the Patriots are built very similar, similarly to what they were last year in terms from a from a um, just from from who they have and, and what the schemes are and what they're trying to do from an offensive and defensive standpoint. Um, maybe more so this year on, on the defense, more so aspect on speed instead of it, whatever it may be. I do think last year is is the way we played against Zach Wilson is very telling and indicative of what I think we're going to see tomorrow. Um, Zach Wilson was horrible, horrible against us last year. Absolutely atrocious in, in the time that we did see him. Um, and he really has not proved it. So I think... I think the, the Brees Hall being injured is a huge factor of it. I think that the, the Belichick is going to make Zach Wilson beat him 
I think, like Lombardi said, that Zach Wilson hasn't beaten the Jets. I think that Belichick's going to make Zach Wilson try and beat the Patriots, and I don't think that's going to be the case. I think, obviously, it's very harped on. It's 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 kind of word vomit at this point. Belichick takes away your best weapon, and for the Jets, that's that's the run game and and and, and doing that. And I think if they take that away and, and put the put the game in Zach Wilson's hands, I think it's going to be an easy victory for the Patriots. And I don't want to say that after watching last Monday night because last Monday night was god awful got off on so many aspects of it the the long third the long third downs were where fields would fumble the snap and somehow run 40 yards but only get a net of nine yards for the first down was was infuriating and, and really put me in a fucking bitchy mood all week i'm not gonna lie about that i was a i was a massive bitch all week because of what i watched monday night but and my wife can attest to that so i do think I do think that tomorrow is going to be better. And the two and a half being a two and a half point favorite on the road against a five and two team is indicative of what the jets really are. And I do think Zach Wilson struggles tomorrow. And I think that's going to be in part of a scheme put together by Bill Belichick. And I'm confident, but as Rob said, I'm not too confident because I don't want to get burned twice in two weeks because I will be even more of a bitch next week if they lose, which I hope they don't. Oh my God. If they lose to the jets, I mean, especially me living here. It, oh, Oh, don't, I don't know if we'll do a pod tomorrow, uh, that that week, because, <laughs> yeah, I'll be a man. And then I'm, and I'm anticipating, I know Bill said this in our chat, uh, I'm anticipating the reactions if they do win and they blow them out and like win by 50. What, well, this one was expected. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that reaction. <laughs> it's just the Jets. Yeah. Tomato cans, tomato cans. This this win tells us more about the Jets than it does about the Patriots. You, you it just it writes itself for them, which like you know to be fair, they all you know have the intelligence of a kumquat, so it it, it makes complete sense that they would pick the thing that writes itself. Yeah, exactly, the immediate win win. They never lose. Yep. Heads I win, tails you lose. Exactly. That's all the media. That's all the media goes for. Um. So. Uh, Real quickly, let's go around the league for a couple of these topics because um, Joe brought up one of them, and I think it's really uh, an interesting one. Uh, you've all heard about the – well, this story has been around for a while, but it only resurfaced uh, later in the week about uh, Britt Reed, Andy Reed's son. Uh, you know, he we all know he was gotten to a DUI and, you know, he was caught with, with alcohol at, at the state, at uh, Arrowhead Stadium. And, you know, in court, you know, it was revealed that <clears throat> that's what happened. And it's interesting, besides Dan Wetzel, who's always very good on from Yahoo Sports, who covered this, um, this barely made a blimp on the radar for a lot of national media. And, you know, it's really interesting how if this was Steve Belichick or, you know, any one of Belichick's children, do you think this would be a blip on the radar? Because I don't. I think that this would be a top story on the nightly news, on every nightly newscast. This would be on CNN. This would be, the, you know, they would have a news trucks parked outside of the courthouse. And, and it would just be, it would, it would be unbelievable. But so this is another example of, you know, the, the sainted chiefs and their, and their, uh, and their wonderful ownership. Well, the other thing that's really, uh, I mean, this whole story is really troubling and really just awful, but yeah. I mean, it wasn't like this was a, 
you know, an isolated incident for Britt Reed. He had a previous DUI. I think it was in 07 or 08. So, I mean, you have a guy in your facility who's, you know, got a history of, you know, drinking and driving and, you know, more than likely has an issue with alcohol. If you're getting multiple DUIs, you're smashing into people, you know, it, it's pretty, you know, likely that you have an issue with alcohol. Why aren't they keeping a closer eye on this guy? Why aren't there more stipulations on this guy in terms of, you know, certainly at the facility, you know, and I mean, the, the victim's family was outraged as they should have been. Uh, the, the whole thing is just really gross. And I mean, the, uh, you know, the tragedy with Andy Reid's other son, who I believe died of a drug overdose um, right here in uh, the Lehigh Valley when they were doing, uh, they had training camp here. I mean, it's just, it, you know, the, the whole story of the Reid family is a really tragic story. But I mean, th this was such a preventable thing, you know, and the fact that the Chiefs are skating on it, you're a thousand percent right. I mean, Steve Belichick gets more shit for, you know, his team giving up 10 third down conversions than Britt Reed gets for, you know, almost killing a, a child, you know, driving. He gets more shit for sticking out times. his tongue in a game. Right. So, I mean, the media coverage is absurd, but I mean, Tyreek Hill was another one who got a complete pass from the media. I mean, if, if Tyreek Hill played for the Patriots, they'd be, you know, probably banished from the NFL. So, I mean, you're right, but this story's really, really, really bad. <laughs> when's the last time we talked about you know kareem hunt when's the last time you know it's there's anybody with a connection to to particular teams gets a very different reaction than some others and this is you know the the andy reed's family matters are are tragic and it's not a mockery of him or his family and i i think it's really important to say that you know those things are a little bit different than what we're talking about here. And really what we're hitting on is the differentiation in media coverage, not the actual, you know, tragedy of addiction itself. Um, but what we really want to get up on here is the, the dichotomy between the response when there's a football based scandal in new England and when there is a, injury to a child as a direct result of activities taking place at the chief's facility. And we're not seeing CNN pull up. We're not seeing, you know, and to an extent, I wouldn't want that, but there needs to be a consistency at a certain point in how these things are presented. The league doesn't want this to be a story. And so they are trying to push it to the side. I'm sure they're talking to people behind the scenes. That's just the normal thing of any business. You want to cover up the really bad stories and let the less bad stories leak. The football scandals are a lot less, you know, negative, especially in the climate right now for the league where they're already dealing with concussion issues. And, you know, the fact that, you know, the fact they really don't give a fuck about women. Um, it, it's a consistent, you know, the league has an image problem, not with their integrity on the field but with their integrity off the field. And they really want to cover this one up. But what I, I, what I really want to see, and you know, I'd hope, and it's a lot to ask of particular people because they could burn relationships, but you're Jeff Howes of the world. You're, you're good reporters that are on a national scale right now. It would be great to see some investigative journalism done about this because how is their alcohol being given to an, you know, somebody who has an alcohol addiction issue 
in the chief's facility? How was he allowed to leave that facility and drive? And why was he drinking the two weeks, you know, in the week leading up to the Super Bowl? Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions there that are really shady about the whole thing. And what was the vetting process the Chiefs went through to ensure that he was in a better place before they hired him onto Andy Reid's staff? I don't want to go as far to say nepotism because, like, you know, you look at the Patriots, they have some of Belichick's kids on the staff. A lot of coaching trees are family affairs. Like, that's that's pretty traditional because you're brought up to learn about it. And it's not nepotism. Right, it's your it's gifted experience. It's not, yeah. It, your, gift, your gifted experience by working with your dad or, you know, being around your uncle who's a coach. Gerard or, you know, has his has son. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it, there's a lot of that. So it's not to say nepotism, but it's to say you have somebody entering your staff who is known to have an issue with alcohol addiction. How are you maintaining and ensuring that they are going to, one, represent your organization well, and two, not do exactly what happened here? Those are pretty clear questions that is the, you know, that looking towards the true victims here, the like the, the, the little girl and her family and what have you. Those are questions that they deserve the answers to, but additionally, questions that like the league should provide clarity on so that people understand that like if something like this comes up, there are protocols in place for that to be followed. There is no way to prevent every bad action that ever happens. There's just not. But if you know what's in place to do your best to prevent them, you're more likely to give the benefit of the doubt than this whole masking charade that's going on where they're just not talking about it. And very few outlets are putting stories out about it. And really it's the ones that don't typically get a lot of the league breaking news. So it's people that are that are talking about it that aren't risking as much and might not have the same connections, et cetera. But I, I would love to see people more plugged in, give a lot more clarity to what went on in this situation, because I think the league should have protocols to prevent things like this. And especially the answers are deserved based on the history of that individual and the, you know, the revelations here that, you know, we all sort of assumed, but now are confirmed that he was drinking in the chief's facility and was leaving the facility drunk before this occurred. Jim, any thoughts on this dude? Uh, I, I have some thoughts, but I try not to get into those subjects. I mean, it's a shame what happened, and there's clearly a double standard that goes on the league. I just don't understand why players are held to a different standard than the people on the coaching staff. Josh Gordon basically lost his career from alcohol and weed and, and whatever else, and this guy is a habitual offender, and he's allowed to just – Stroll around, come and go as he pleases, and do whatever he wants. And Calvin Ridley, like, yeah, gambling. <laughs> he didn't hurt anybody, right? Hurt except his pocketbook, <laughs> right? I, I just find it to be hypocritical, like, you know. So I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to get into those subjects as I, I get too passionate about it. Oh, no, man, I, I get it. It's it's it, it's so backwards. This 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 league. Is so backwards, and uh, but uh, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. You know, I, that's why I say that I'm a Patriots fan first. I'm, I'm a fan of the NFL. Is like whatever. I, I like football because football is the sport. If it was in another league, a, a, a decently handled league, I, I'd probably watch that. But unfortunately, none of those leagues have come to pass to be as good. Um, right. But uh, but uh, in this weekend, uh, 
I'm glad he's not our problem anymore. Uh, Tom Brady's finally got the big D, and I'm not talking about uh, the underwear. <laughs> under what is his underwear? I'm talking. What about a what a lead in, Shaq. What a lead in. <laughs> I try, um, but yeah, and it's it's seemingly spilling onto the football team because uh, the team things the team's not doing very well. It's actually the same record as the Patriots, if if I'm not mistaken. So. Half you know, game back of, now. They're three and five. So you're right, three and five. So uh, the, it, it, any 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 one of you have anything to say about this? Because to me, you know, I'm not I'm not happy about this because I, I don't like to see the guy go out like this. But you know, at some point you gotta recognize your choices, and he made the choice to stay, and this is the this is what's coming to. I'll speak quickly yeah. on it. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, you sorry. Go ahead. Quick, I, I'll speak really quickly on it. Um, I'm not going to speak for his personal life or, or what's going on behind the scenes because that's everyone has has the right to their own personal life and what's going on. And I honestly hope the best for him and his children, and hope everything's okay and and what have you. Because deep down, I obviously I, I love the man dearly for weird irrational reasons that revolve around a sport and a football. And I just hope that he's okay personally. Um, in a professional sense, in a football sense, I, I have a, a totally different light of how I feel. Um, all I've seen this week after the loss on on Thursday, so in the last two days, um, is that Todd Bowles needs to be fired and they need to get Bruce Arians back because this team is is bad. They need they need they need a better coach. But for the last two years, the radio has sprayed into my ear. The Tom Brady fanboys on Twitter have tweeted constantly is that coaching does not matter and that in the Brady and Belichick it's all Brady and that Belichick didn't matter but now today after being three and five and after having play calls this and play calls that is they need to call Bruce Arians back and get a real guy back in there or if if Brady had a coach they'd be winning you fucking hypocrites it was never Brady versus Belichick it was always they're both the best at what they do it was always the best at what they do and it, it still is it never had to be that Brady versus Belichick had to be a thing. That is a that is a story and a talking point that has been made so massive and everyone believed it to be true. That it's one or the other. It can't be both. And I think this week and 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 maybe the fall off or what's going on, people are not gonna see the light because they'll never admit they're wrong. But I just find it really rich that people are calling for Bruce Arians of all people the hipster douche have a beer in the parking lot with the guys to go back to save the team. And look, I'll hit, I'll give it to him. Brady won a Super Bowl in year one without Belichick. Fine, whatever. But it, it was never a Brady versus Belichick thing. It never was. And in, in, in rational people who don't, who don't get indebted in radio opinions know that. They know that they're both great and they're both trying to prove these narratives and these stories and these sides the last three years. But, but for you to call for Bruce Arians after being three and five, I really fucking enjoy that. I find really great joy in the Bucks being bad this year, and I find great joy in them calling for Bruce Arians. Whatever is happening in his personal life is between him and, his, and himself and, and the man in the mirror. But, but professionally, if you're calling for Bruce Arians, I'm loving that. I'm loving that. Yeah, and all I would add to that is, um, like, I agree with you. I, the divorce thing, like, that's not uh, that doesn't really interest me at all. But um, after the Bucks lost to the Steelers, um, not this past week, but the week before, um, 
on the Monday night countdown show, Booger McFarland, who's kind of tied into the Buccaneers because he played there for so long. He had a great about three minute sort of rant about the whole Brady Bucks thing that I thought I thought he was spot on. Essentially, you know, I'm paraphrasing what he said was, you know, for Brady to leave the team in the middle of a preparation week on a Friday, miss Friday's practice, miss Saturday's walkthrough then go to the game on Sunday and be yelling at teammates on the sideline. He said, that doesn't sit well with teammates, number one. But he, the, the, the greater point that he made that I really liked was, you know, he said, that's something that never would have happened in New England. And he said, and for the first time since he can remember watching Tom Brady in the NFL, football is not the most important thing to him. And it's clear when he's leaving his team in the middle of uh, a week and going to his former team's owner's wedding, <laughs> you know, that Belichick didn't even go to because he was busy because he had a game that week. But I think that's really the problem is Brady wanted to get out from underneath the shackles of, of Belichick and the, the sort of, you know, this is what you have to do. And, you, you know, and I think he's right. I don't think they would have tolerated that. I don't think they would have let him go midweek to do that. The Bucks kind of let him do whatever he wants to do, which is fine if that's what he wanted. But there's consequences to that. You know, there's consequences to that. And you're not going to be as prepared for the game. You're not going to be playing as well. And you're probably going to rub some teammates the wrong way if you're going to ditch him for two days in the middle of the week and then shit all over him on the sideline when you guys are losing the game. So, I, I mean, that's kind of what I see going on with Brady right now. It's, it, you know, and I, I, I posted, a, you know, certainly the um, certainly the divorce doesn't, you know, doesn't move the needle for me any in terms of what to talk about. You know, there are there are kids and families involved and all that. I did post a meme about, you know, Tom Brady's ambition, Tom Brady's life. And it's that meme of the guy shooting. And then it's like, how did this happen? You know, yeah, he did it. To, <laughs> yes, he. You know, he did it to himself, and not in terms of the divorce, but like overall, his life is a lot different than it was just a couple of years ago. Yes, the divorce is sort of symptomatic of that. Um, but when you're looking at it, it's that he's ambitious in terms of building his brand. He's ambitious in what's coming after football, and that's part of not being as teed up you know not being up for you know the hypothetical bucks practice player of the week in the fancy parking spot that you know he never got in new england it's it's this sort of thing that he's just not as plugged in and dedicated as he used to be in terms of time i'm sure he is when when he's there it's not about like effort when he's there, but he's there less. And that's just an objective thing. Originally they said he wasn't going to do any Wednesday practices and they doubled back on that and said, no, he will. But you know, they're clearly not having him practice every day They're You know, he's going and jet setting off to miss a couple days of practice. He missed the 14 days of training camp, which obviously could have been rooted in some of the personal stuff going on and certainly don't begrudge him that, but it does speak to a trend where, you know, if he's not leading by example anymore and you don't have the excellent coaching that's required to hold the rest of the team to the mark as well, it's going to lead to less production and results on the field. And it's hard for me to say that, like, if he sees that this type of balance isn't working, there's going to be a decision that could go one of two ways for him at the end of the year. He's either going to leave football and say, I want to focus on my other pursuits and do the broadcasting and all of that and more power to him. Uh, or he's going to say, that didn't work. Fuck it. I'm going all in. 
He's going to pick wherever he wants to go next, and he's going to be the most dedicated, maniacal motherfucker on the planet. And he's going to be spending every waking hour thinking, eating, drinking, bleeding football. And it's going to create more problems for him outside of the world of football. He's going to have more issues with personal work-life balance stuff. And, you know, I, I never say I love athletes because they don't, you know, they don't owe us anything. They're not, you know, they're figures who are there to play a game and they're not meant to be heroes. They're meant to live their lives, make a living like anybody else. I love what Tom Brady did for the Patriots and I wish him well because of it. But I, you know, that it's not a love thing. I just don't want him to ruin his life based on how ambitious he is based on how maniacal he can be and how, and how dedicated he can be to things. If he overdoes things in the next couple of years and sticks around football, he could do some irreparable harm to either his body or to his mental health or to his personal life. And those are things I don't want for him when he has given a lot of us listening to the podcast, regardless of how we feel about it, a lot of joy over the last 20 years. I want him to have a good life. He, you know, to me, I, I, I want that for him because he gave a lot of good memories to me and my family. So I, I'm just hopeful that he understands the lessons of this year and is able to sort of pivot to a, a more well-balanced life, whether that includes playing football or not. Yeah, and Asante Samuel, catch the fucking ball, you asshole. Asante Samuel can go that, fuck himself. That, that, that's my lesson for the day. Yeah, ha- you know, happy whenever you're listening this, to this to everybody but fucking Asante Samuel. Yeah. Um, does anyone have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Or are we all good? I just have one quick one. Um, so as we've all said, that at, that Monday night game was brutal. And what really helped me get through the week was the start that the Bruins are off to right now. <laughs> they won eight out of nine. You know, Martian was supposed to be out till the end of November with that double hip surgery. He's back already. He scored two goals the other night. And then they just went on the road. They had a back-to-back game. I was fully expecting them to lose because those are tough. And they went into Columbus and won four nothing. So the Bruins uh, really helped get me through the week. So if anybody need, needed something or things go haywire tomorrow you need something to get you through the week um i recommend the bruins i'll, I'll keep mine just as quick um it's something I, I made a point of i think on twitter about a month ago people who claim to be diehard patriots fans in the region you're only guaranteed 17 days out of the year to watch patriots football don't let the media don't let sports radio throughout the week make it a miserable experience for you it's it's supposed to be fun being positive about it is fine. Being a homer is fine. You can be irrationally positive. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Makes you a happier, better person, especially on game day, especially enjoying things you like. There's no reason for you to have a negative emotion or a negative feeling towards a team that plays football on Sunday. Let them call you a homer. There's nothing wrong with it. The media wants you to hate the most successful franchise of the last 25 years. The, the numbers are there. They've won six Super Bowls in my lifetime. I'm not going to sit here and start irrationally hating the greatest coach of all time, hating the players on the field. I'm not going to do it. I love this team, and I'm a homer. I'm proud of it. Mine will be equally swift. 
if you took away how miserable Monday night was, then you should have a newfound appreciation for Bill Belichick as the coach if you have been that person hating on him. Because there are plenty of teams around the league who have had a lot of that over the last 20 years. There are a lot of them that have had a lot of that over the last three years and a lot more frequently than the Patriots have had it on their radar. That was a miserable experience. That is typically what people who have rooted for the Lions, the Browns, the Jets, uh, you know, and in franchises that are vastly more successful over the time. I mean, the Texans had a good window of success and had a lot of it, but they get that, you know, half of those 17 days a year that Joe mentioned, they get that eight, nine times a year. And it's fucking miserable. The Patriots get it a handful of times over the last 20 years. You remember those games. They're ingrained in your brain. You know what Lions fans call that? Sunday. It's ridiculous that we're questioning Bill Belichick as a coach overall. He threw an absolute plunker on Sunday. I will be the first to acknowledge that. One of his worst coaching performances in his time with the Patriots. That does not make him bad. It makes him human, which is what everyone, it's okay to admit, wants us to say. He's human. He had a bad day. He doesn't have a lot of them. They've happened before. They'll, they may happen again but they are few and far fucking between. So appreciate what we get from Bill Belichick. And, you know, in terms of the game on Sunday, you know, go with the old Jerry Jones, you know, it's not Jerry Jones. It's um, Raiders owner there. Did Al Davis just win baby. Brockton zone. Yeah. Joe, I feel like I should have played uh, the national anthem underneath your final thought. Cause that was uh, that, um, matches mine it's it's pretty unbelievable how the word homer has been taken and again we did this on an episode i think a few months ago how the word homer has been bastardized to mean uh irrational um fandom is irrational <laughs> rooting for rooting for guys underneath helmets is irrational but hey we're here talking about them so you know what's the point of all of this so um that's gonna do it for entitled weekend uh jim thank you for joining us Thank you for having me, guys. Hopefully I didn't bring you down too much. <laughs> no, now you man. brought it, man. Good stuff. Yeah, no, not we, at all. We, Thanks for coming. Yeah, Thank we, you. we had a great time with you. Uh, you can follow him at... Uh, wait, I, I got to get it right before, I, before I'm uh, thrown, out of the, thrown out of the bag pod that doesn't exist, uh, but <laughs> does exist. It does exist. Okay, I, 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 I'm correcting myself. At and it's huge. NFL. It's, it's huge. You got to listen to it. With with uh, our our friend um, at trend, trans yeah friend te transient existence, um, you gotta listen to both of them. He's at Dress Peeves NFL. I'm at Atomic Dog fifty one fifty. Bill is at the Fib 0624. Rob is at Hoodie Supremist, and Joe is Joe Savignano at Joe Savignano. You can email us at entitledweekend at gmail.com. Come on, Vinny, where's the emails? It was barren this week, um, and you can uh, tweet us at Entitled Weekend. But until next time, turn off your radio, slugs.